The reading this week is from Mark 3, 20 through 29. Jesus entered a house. A crowd gathered again so that it was impossible for him and his followers even to eat. When his family heard what was happening, they came to take control of him. They were saying, he's out of his mind. The legal experts came down from Jerusalem. Over and over they charged, he's possessed by Beelzebul. He throws out demons with the authority of the ruler of demons. When Jesus called them together, he spoke to them in a parable. How can Satan throw Satan out? A kingdom involved in a civil war will collapse, and a house torn apart by divisions will collapse. If Satan rebels against himself and is divided, then he can't endure. He's done for. No one gets into the house of a strong person and steals anything without first tying up the strong person. Only then can the house be burglarized. I assure you that human beings will be forgiven for everything, for all sins and insults of every kind. But whoever insults the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. That person is guilty of a sin with consequences that last forever. Hey Milwaukee, 414, good to see you. I'm Jason Butler. Some of you may know me, some of you may not. I lived in Milwaukee for 10 years, and I gotta say, like when I was living there, the Bucks were terrible, and now you guys are NBA champs. Good job, Milwaukee. The Brewers do, first place. One of the best records in the league. Man, where was this when I was living? Maybe the fact that I left is when everything got good. Maybe there's a connection there, but anyway, it's great to be with you all today. I know you are doing great things up there in Milwaukee, and I send you grace and peace from North Carolina. It's great to be with you today, and thanks for Pastor Jonah for letting me be a part of this space with you all. This series, as I understand, you're talking about uh, bodies and our bodies and how they interact in the world. And today we're talking about bodies as power. Power's all around us. It spews from every corner of life. And lots of times we don't stop and think about it, but I think about it a lot. I think about power a lot. You all have a great amount of power, every one of you in your life. Those around you have a great amount of power, but the question always becomes, what do we do with that power? Today we're gonna to ask ourselves the question, what do bodies have to do with power, with the world, with our spaces, what does our bodies have to do with that? I'll be honest, I don't think about my body very much in a lot of these spaces. I don't think of my body as sacred or spiritual, but it is, and I need to be pushed in that way. I, in my experience as a white, straight dude, I've never been pushed on it. My body has always been accepted, it's always been welcomed, it's always been embraced. I've never had a situation where people have pushed back on me because of any part of my life. And I know that my experience is a very different experience from many of you. But I think it's important for us to state that, to say that out front, in the front, that I have a responsibility. I have a certain power that society has given to me that I did not earn, that I did, do not merit. It was just given because of the color of my skin, because of my gender. And so what do I do with that? How can I be conscious of that? And how can I use that for good, redeeming it, 
and helping to partner with God and my body to redeem the world. Today we're in Mark 3, and this may not seem like it has anything to do with the topic of bodies, but maybe by the end it'll make sense, and <laughs> maybe not. Mark 3 says this, then Jesus entered a house, and again a crowd gathered, so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to him and said, Dude, you are out of your mind. You're going to get killed. And the teachers of the law who came down from Jerusalem, He is possessed by Belzebul, they said. By the prince of demons, he's driving out demons. So Jesus called them over and began to speak to them in a parable. How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, the house cannot stand. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand. His end has come. This is simple logic, y'all. In fact, no one can enter a strong man's house without first tying him up. Then he can plunder the strong man's house. Truly, I tell you, people can be forgiven all their sins and every slander they utter, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. They are guilty of an eternal sin. This is the word of God for us and all the people of God. Here in the Gospel of Mark, Mark is sort of a, 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 a shooting star. It gets to the point really fast. And Mark is ultimately a Gospel of politics. A gospel of how do we negotiate a flourishing for all people everywhere. Jesus enters the stage when there were so many people that were being oppressed by the system of religion, being oppressed by the system of empire, being oppressed by the system of economics. So people found themselves scattered all over the side of the road, being ground up in the system of oppression, whether it was religion or political or economic. And Jesus enters this scene and disrupts it all. People are like, Jesus is so nice. <laughs> mm, you don't know the Jesus that I know. Because the Jesus that I know is very disruptive. And I almost guarantee we would not like Jesus if he showed up today because he'd push all of our buttons. He'd disrupt all the things that we hold dear. He would shake the world up like a snow globe. So where we have to reorient ourselves and put all the pieces back together again in a new way. So here in the Gospel of Mark, it begins hot and heavy. It gets to the point Jesus is disrupting the systems of oppression there and there and there and there. And it comes to this point in Mark 3. And I believe that here that we see the very thesis of the Gospel of Mark and what I just read you. Mark is about the freedom, the liberation of oppressed people. That God is doing a work, a new exodus to lead people out of their oppression and into freedom. But the only way this is going to happen is binding the strong man. So Jesus here, the religious leaders hate what Jesus is doing and Jesus here is healing the sick and opening blind eyes. These aren't just healing the sick and opening blind eyes. Yes, it is that. But Jesus is doing that for people who have been believed that they are sinners. Many of you have been called 
sinners. And I hate this term. I, I don't use it. I don't ever say that, that, that some people are sinners, that God redeems sinners, that this is such a loaded, negative, abusive, hateful, ugly way to describe a person by saying they are sinners. And it's always in Scripture, and when Jesus uses it, when Paul later uses it, it's always in this sort of ironic way. It's never truly to say someone has sinned. But God is redeeming the very nature of how we see each other. And the religious leaders had deemed certain people as sinners, those who weren't blessed, those who were sick, those who were living on the margins of society. They were deemed sinners. And those who were in power, those who had privilege, those who were rich, were deemed as blessed of God. But Jesus was disrupting all of this by Jesus healing those who were deemed as sinners. Jesus is saying, those people who you have deemed as broken and as outside of God's grace, God is showering grace upon them and showing you all that God is with them. As Jesus sits and dines with those who were deemed as sinners, Jesus in this ancient Near Eastern way is saying, you are forgiven you are embraced back into the ways of God. Now you can participate fully in the religious system. You can participate fully in the ways of God in every avenue of life. You are now within the boundaries of grace, which they always were. But because the religious leaders had pushed them aside, they believed that they were outside. And the whole system made them outside. But Jesus was doing a work of bringing them back in. And so here in this ultimate insult, the religious leaders, at the, maybe at the end of their rope, accused Jesus as doing the work of Satan. You are doing this good work through the evil of Satan. Belzebul. <laughs> And Jesus looks at him and says, Y'all, how, how could I do good things with evil? How could, how could I bring God's grace to people through the work of Satan, through the work of the accuser, through the work of the, the evil one? How does how that? That can't even work. A house that works against itself cannot stand. A work that is against itself will only bring itself down. That's impossible, y'all. But here the religious leaders are at the end of the rope. They are trying everything at this point, And they are trying to discredit Jesus, discredit the work of grace. We see this all around us, don't we, even in today's world. When churches like you all, like so many, take the grace of God out into the world to counter the work of the oppressive church, to counter the work of the damage that the church has done over centuries by marginalizing, by closing its doors, by telling you that some can get in and some cannot. And because of your sexual orientation or the color of your skin, you are, you are not in the grace of God. That, that is evil and oppressive. And that is not the ways of God. And so the work, when people begin to do this grace-filled work of opening the doors and welcoming everyone and reminding people that you are beautiful and good just as you are. You are beloved child of God just as you are. You don't have to change. You don't have to do anything differently. You are loved just as you are. Come home, my dear child. Come home into the arms of the everlasting God of eternity. When we do that work so often, 
The controlling church looks at us and says, they're doing the work of Satan. Y'all, how could we produce this good fruit of God's grace? If we wanted to do the work of Satan, we would just be killing people all over. <laughs> but we don't do that. We talk about God's grace. And so here it hasn't changed, has it? Religious leaders still do this all over. This is about control. The religious leaders then wanted control of the movement. They didn't want Jesus out here doing good work apart from them. They wanted to control it. They wanted to get credit for it. In the same way today, so many religious leaders and churches still want to control people. They want to control people's actions. They want to control people's personal life, people's sex lives, people's thoughts lives. It's just this system of everlasting control, but Jesus is breaking that open and wide and saying there's no control here because control, when control is present, love is not present. Only freedom births love. And so God, as God is love, is a God of freedom, not control. Saying, I love you just as you are, no matter what, you are loved. And so Jesus here breaks down their argument and says, y'all are crazy. That can't be. You're just making stuff up at this point. You're so desperate, you can't even make an argument. You can't stand against me. And then Jesus says this. No one in order to bind a strong man, someone has to go into their house and tie them up. And only then can they plunder their goods. Now what does this mean? What is this about? What is Jesus talking about, this strong man? Like this, this verse has been interpreted lots of different ways. And maybe mine's right, maybe mine's not. But I'll give you this today. That I believe Jesus here is describing the religious leaders as the strong men. The ones who have power in society. And the ones who are using their power to oppress, to marginalize, to extract resources, to exploit the common people for their own benefit, that's what a strong man does. It's a bully. They were acting as bullies and using people to get more for themselves. They were selfish and greedy and hurtful. And Jesus here says, the only way to stop this the only way is not, is not to be nice, is not to reason, is, is not to sing kumbaya around a campfire. The only way to change this world is for somebody strong enough to go bind the strong men so that then their house can be plundered. What does that mean, house be plundered? I believe here it means that people can get their stuff back. People can get their reputations back. People can get their power back. People can get their futures back. People can get their lives back. Because the strong men of this world, whether they be political or religious or economic or social, exploit people. And they create these bondage systems where there's no futures. There's no flourishing. There's no hope. And the only way to birth hope again and life again is to stop their work of exploitation. And Jesus says, it's blasphemy. This is, growing up, I was always, people are always like, well, that's blasphemy, and this is blasphemy, and this is like, what is blasphemy? I believe Jesus here describes blasphemy as discrediting a good work of God. When people try to discredit a good work of grace, a good work of God, just because you don't like it, or just because you don't like that God's doing that, 
outside of your power and your control and God's working over there and you try to discredit it, when you try to, 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 to dismantle that movement, it's blasphemy. Stop. Because God's grace is working over there and over there and over there and maybe it's outside of your control. Maybe you didn't even know that God could do that. Don't discredit it. It's good and beautiful. Let God's work go. God's work always produces liberation. So let it be free. And so here, what, is, what does this mean for us today as we talk about power? As we talk about our bodies? I believe power is everywhere in our world. And I have power. And you have power. And each one of you have. Everyone in our society has a certain amount of power in our lives. I know that I've been given power just because I'm a white guy in our society. And so my question becomes, what do I do with that? What do I do with that power? I could use it for myself. I could use it to put other people down. I could use it to extract resources from the world, to exploit others for my own gain, to, to, to use God as an, a weapon in order to shame my detractors, to shame my opponents. I could use God and Scripture as a weapon to hurt others that disagree with me so that I gain more for myself. Or I could use my power for the benefit of the world, for those around me. I could use my power to lift up in compassion, in empowering, in graceful movements, in lifting up the oppressed, the marginalized, those who have been told you are no good. Jesus here uses his body as power. As we know the story goes, Jesus bound up the religious strongmen literally by offering his body as a sacrifice, of standing in the way, standing in the gap, of saying, like, like, do your worst. You see, what Jesus does by offering His body is expose a system of evil for what it really was. The religious leaders had this veneer of God, but behind it, it was full of trash. And what Jesus did by offering His body was saying, look, this is who they are. They are rotten to their core and they will kill someone in order to keep their power. And Jesus exposes the lie for what it was, exposes the evil for what it was, and does all of that through His body. Putting it on a cross. Being exposed. And through that exposure, being a sacrifice to end all sacrifices is no longer needed. That way, that system of controlling God is no longer needed. God is free. Jesus opened up a pathway by showing us a better way of love. Showing us a better way. That that old, tired, religious system of control and manipulation and marginalization will only bring us all down in the end. But only love can lift us up. Only love can create a new world. Only love can birth a new life and a new beginning for everyone, everywhere. So our question today is what do we do with our power? As this relates to our bodies. 
I believe that our call is to use our bodies, our physicalness, for the good of the world. And in some times, that we too must be part of binding the strong men of this world, the systems of oppression, of standing in the way, of showing up. Now, this is easy. It's, it's easy for us to kind of slide into saviorism, right? That we think that we can redeem the world, that we think that we can save people. We can't. You can't save anybody. We can't redeem the world. You can't redeem the world. Our call is not to redeem the world. Only Jesus can do that. Our call is to show up, to be an advocate, to stand physically, physically with our physical bodies, to put ourselves in spaces where people are being hurt. If there are people being marginalized, we need to show up. If there are people being oppressed, we need to show up. If there are people being murdered, we need to show up. It's our call to show up with our bodies in places. No, I don't believe we are called to be martyrs or crucified, but I think we are called to show up. During the, the protests of last summer, I know that you all had many there in Milwaukee. We had some here in Raleigh too. And during that time, I reached out to a couple of friends in the church, a couple of my black friends, and I asked, what can I do for you right now? And they said, show up, be out there. And so I did put on my priest collar, which I don't ever wear. And I showed up and I put myself there, not to save anybody, but to say, I'm here with you, friends. I'm here with you. And yes, I was tear gassed many times. I stood in the, in, in the way of I say troops, but they are police officers in full riot gear. It's kind of scary. I put myself right there. I don't know that I made any difference, but I put myself there. That was my call in that moment. And put myself in such a way to say, God, I'm ready. If the moment comes, if you can use me in such a way, I'm here. I'm here in this space ready to go, to stand arm in arm with my friends, with my neighbors, to say, I love you, and this is how I'm showing you my love. I believe our bodies are power. This is what the civil rights movement showed us. It is what protests have showed us, that we must show up. It's what politics shows, up, shows us as well, that we need to show up when there are votes on the line. In community organizing, we need to show up with our bodies. Petitions are great and online posts are wonderful, but what makes the difference is, is when we show up with our bodies because our bodies are power. So today, friends, where are you in this story? What is God calling you to do with your body? Who can you stand with today? Who around you in your community is being marginalized, being pushed aside, being ground up by the systems of religion? by the systems of politics, by the system of economics? Who are you being called to show up with and for and among? Our calling as followers of Jesus is to follow Jesus into those hard spaces, into those hard places, as Jesus binds the strong men of our world so that people can go free.
And we are called, friends, to follow him into those places. So today, may you follow Jesus into those hard places. And may you offer your body as a living sacrifice that is holy and pleasing to God. May you show up. Amen.